Magister Dixit. Magister Dixit. Magister Dixit. Magister Dixit. Welcome to Magister Dixit, a podcast that invites you on a journey into realms of expertise, imagination, and occultism. Delve deep into the minds of those that have dedicated their lives to mastering their crafts and how having an esoteric or supernatural influence has shaped that path. In each episode, we will engage with magisters, true masters of their respected fields, as they share their unparalleled insights, unconventional knowledge, and their unique perspectives. Venture into the mystical as we converse with filmmakers, musicians, and renowned authors. Listen to their perspectives on their respected disciplines and how being a practitioner of occultism has influenced their craft. Remember, in the realm of knowledge, Magister Dixit, the master has spoken. In this episode, we'll have a discussion with Ray Suey. Ray is a musician and guitarist known for his versatile playing style that spans multiple genres, from classic rock, blues, metal, and jazz. He has been teaching guitar now for over 25 years and is a highly accomplished guitarist with a very diverse background in music. Co-founder of New Jersey instrumental prog duo Gamatria, the duo formed in 2017. Sharing a myriad of musical influences and a love for esoteric studies and explorations. The songs on their full-length release, Gamatria 2, The Spindle of Necessity, were composed of using elements of Gamatria, a Kabbalistic numericological system of relating to words to numbers. The I Ching, Sacred Geometry, and the writings of Aleister Crowley and Austin Osmond Spare to help generate rhythmic and melodic ideas. Let's welcome Ray to the show. Ray, welcome to uh, Magister Dixit. Uh, can you tell us about your early musical influences and what inspired you to start playing guitar? Oh, wow. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I grew up in a, a family of music lovers. So music was always playing. Um, my mom, as soon as I would wake up in the morning, music was playing all day. My mom would turn the radio on or, or play vinyl and everything. And, um, you know, that time it was like the seventies rock kind of stuff that was, that was happening. Um, so that those sounds are just prevalent, you know, and then when I was a kid, I just started to hear the guitar in my mind when I was, when I was like riding my bike or playing with friends or whatever, I just heard the, the sound of a guitar, which was, now I think back to it was the crunch of that ACDC sound, you know? So, um, yeah, ACDC, Led Zeppelin and, and Jimi Hendrix were the, the big ones at first and Black Sabbath too. Um, I know for I know for me also Kiss like oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. You, you know just that yeah. whole thing it was like yeah. I want to do that man. yes you know? yeah yeah exactly yeah and the riff Kiss had such cool riffs too and solos so yeah all that all that stuff at the time was super inspiring um, and then I just dove in and I taught myself to play um, to that what stuff. age was that around um, I started playing I actually started playing bass in the school band like electric bass when I was eleven or so then I got a guitar when I was twelve so. And then I, uh, I self-taught on guitar. I, t I took a couple lessons, but I was a stubborn kid, and I was just like, I was like, asked my mom to buy me tab books, you know, and 
I think the first one I got was like Randy Rhodes tribute, the live album, you know, the Aussie thing, which was I don't know why I got that book. It was impossible to play. Stuff, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So no, all that stuff got in, and then as I started practicing more and more, I just got into all kind. You know, the hair metal was around the time. That's such great guitar players. So learning all those techniques, and then I got into thrash metal, and then. Then you hear all these, all my heroes talking about jazz guys. So I was like, oh, I'm going to check out Coltrane. And then I got way into jazz through that. So yeah. now were you playing with a group of guys like your friends or anything? Or was a lot of this on your own? A lot of it was on my own. I did have a, a band with friends a little bit that we kind of messed around with, but it wasn't too serious. A lot of it was on my, my own. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, you've had a diverse musical career from mm-hmm. classic rock, like you said, to metal and mm-hmm. jazz. Mm-hmm. How do you navigate? these different genres and what drew you to explore such a a wide range of musical uh, styles yeah i guess i guess the biggest thing is i just love music and i love all kinds of different whatever hits me emotionally or you know in uh whatever kind of just gets my mind going is, is what I'll when get did into. you start becoming interested in jazz that was probably probably about 14 or so like i said i heard uh at a young age so it wasn't after you had already developed your skills as a guitar player maybe you found yeah yeah. uh, the approach to jazz it was at a young age still yeah it was it was it got to a point where i was playing all the metal stuff and i wanted to get deeper into music and i was learning theory and stuff and i was just really curious kid so i was just like trying to dive deeper and it seemed to me i could go into jazz or classical it seemed like those two worlds were the kind of like slightly deeper musically than than what I was doing at the moment. So but jazz just appealed to me for the improvisational aspect of it. Right. Um, and then, you know, you're getting all these different colors and sounds that you get with these different chords and scales that they use. And that was a big thing for me. Yeah. So. Yeah. So as opposed to uh, taking like the uh, Ingve approach to going to like classical and everything, right. uh, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. you took the, the kind of the turn at the jazz. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and how was it studying at the Berkeley College of Music? It was really good. The The best thing about that was being around other musicians like 24 seven, you know, coming from a small town in Maine where I was one of the only guitar players in the school. There's it wasn't there wasn't like a lot of people that I could talk to or even relate to on the, a deeper musical level. So, um, yeah, when I got to Berkeley, I was like, wow, this is great. You know, everyone around me is, is a musician and serious about this. Um, I am a I'm, I'm a better learner when I have a mentor. It's like one on one, like a teacher, like I, I found out even though I said like when I was younger I took lessons and I couldn't stand it <laughs> but when I got to be 18 or so and I got to college I was like oh, I didn't I didn't really like having to be part of this program and doing these certain steps and all this stuff so I, I found a really good teacher you know and then I went to the new school for a bit too the new school was great because um, all the teachers were working musicians in, in the city and you had a bunch of legends as your teachers there which was great so somewhat a humbling experience too yeah, I'm very sure humbling. just oh. see like the oh, talent yeah. oozing Complete. from these people yeah Completely, yeah, inspiring and humbling, you know, at the same yeah. time. Yeah, and that's really amazing. And, yeah. and for how, uh, where in Maine are you originally from? Um, Biddeford, it's about 20 minutes from Portland or so. Oh, yeah, okay. mm-hmm. it's on the southern so, coast. Yeah, mm-hmm. is it a pretty desolate area, pretty remote, or no, is it more a, metropolitan? It's 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 a, it's parts of it are a little more urban. There was a big factory uh, there. There's a couple of big factories there for a long time that everyone worked in. But there's a lot of the rural areas too. But it's it's 
it's more of a city where I grew up in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, also uh, you have your involvement also in metal. Can mm-hmm. you tell us more about your work with like Six Feet Under and uh, some of your other contributions to the metal genre? Yeah. Um, yeah. Back in 99, I had my first band called Culpits. That was the first band I toured with. That was more of like a hardcore kind of new metal, I guess, thing at the time. And then after that, I kind of dipped out from the metal scene for a bit and played some more post-rock kind of sounds, like more ambient things with this band called The Baltic Sea. And then I got back into metal because I joined this band called East of the Wall. They're from New Jersey. There's like a hardcore progressive band kind of thing, which is cool. And then from there, I joined Cannabis Corpse, which is yeah, a, yeah, familiar with those yeah, guys. Yeah, 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 which is a lot of fun. So we did that for a few years. And then through that, I, I joined Six Feet Under. Um, so I've been a part of Six Feet Under since about 2016 or so. Yeah. Ah, cool. And, and you, you do uh, all the touring and everything. Yeah, too? the touring. Yeah, and we just finished recording a new record too. So yeah. So that's oh, great. Come on next what, year. What's What's the title of the new record? Oh, I don't know yet. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> any of them I knew, I probably couldn't tell you. Yeah, yeah. But I don't. I don't know it myself. That's cool. Yeah. Well, let's. You know the 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 main reason for. Uh, me really wanted to talk to you is talk mm-hmm. about you know Gematria, your mm-hmm. experimental band. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, just reading about what other people have written and stuff, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. receive a lot of praise for its experimental and progressive approach to music. And you know, when you say jazz, you know, as soon as I put it on, I, I hear that too. I just mm-hmm. hear like you know, mm-hmm. uh, even early Rush prog rock kind of going on and mm-hmm. stuff, yeah, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and. Uh, what was the creative process behind creating music like that and what sets and what sets it apart from all the other type of projects that you've been working in hmm. yeah that's a that's a good question um yeah gamatria is a totally totally different beast um normally you know in other bands you throw riffs around or you know and then you kind of share things and you just, and you know kind of go that way with this stuff we take a bunch of different approaches and that helps us kind of get some more varied material going. So um, we'll use, well, just, just bare bones musical stuff first. Like sometimes Steve will have a track that he made and I'll write to it or I'll write, you know, guitar parts and then he'll do the drums to it or he'll write a whole drum composition and I'll compose to that. But on the on the, another level, we'll use uh, different systems to kind of generate ideas. So when I was writing this record, I would do a few different approaches. So I would wake up and do my morning kind of practice, you know, uh, meditation and other things. And then I, maybe I would read a book. Maybe I'd read a, an occult book or an esoteric book. And for a well, while, well, when you say, if I just uh, interrupt you for a second, you say yeah. other things like, uh, <laughs> yeah, you, yeah. You know, could you elaborate a little? Are you are you yeah. doing any uh, LBRP, LBRP mm-hmm. or a middle yeah. pillar or things mm-hmm. of this nature? Yeah, exactly. Both of those okay. things. Yeah, uh, and then some yeah. kind of divination, usually I Ching, which I like is one of my favorite ones there. Okay, yeah. and, mm-hmm. and that's in the morning. Yes, mm-hmm. when you get up, that's yeah. great. Yeah, first thing. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so. Every day when I was working on this record, I would do that. And then um, that would just get me into this state, you know. I guess you could call it a flow state, but it feels different to me than that. So, one, it gets you out of that 
um, that kind of that voice in your head that's telling you that whatever idea you're working on is terrible that voice goes away and and this other inspiration is there and I just felt like I was being propelled when I was writing this record which was great you know so I would I would uh, do all that stuff start working on music and almost every decision I made would work so it was it was a uh, yeah it was really interesting mm -hmm. yeah so you, you could uh, say that part of the process, part part of the creative process of that was the meditation and things yeah. that you do in preparation to going into the studio and yeah. and yeah. grabbing the guitar and stuff. Yes, exactly. And, yeah, very interesting. Yeah. Uh, and and uh, how did the two of you guys come across each other? Did he go to school at Berkeley, or mm -hmm. how, can you tell us a little of the background? Sure. Yeah. No, we were we both teaching music in the same music school here in Asbury Park, New Jersey. So, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so we started and then we just started talking and then one day um, we were driving to a work event and I saw he had um, 777 in his in his car and I was interested in all this stuff and uh, I forgot to you know I forgot to say you know when you're a kid and you're Mr. Mr. Crowley by Ozzy you're like oh what is that who's that guy you know <laughs> and then you look into that so that guy you know Crowley's in, mm -hmm. your, in your brain the whole time you know so that was a big thing um, and I was already reading a little bit, but I saw 777 in his car. I'm like, yo, I'm Steve, what is this? You know, and he, he whipped it out. And he's like, oh, you know, I make music with this. You know, I have this whole thing where I, you know, find the matria for a word and then turn that into rhythms, you know. And um, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. And there's a whole thing to that, too. But so we started talking and he has some other books, too, there. And I was like, oh, OK. And then and then we just I just started diving in from there and. Is yeah. that what really uh, accelerated your interest or or have you always kind of been on uh, a, were you more of an armchair uh, occultist up until then? Yeah, or pretty, something? yes, pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Just reading and, and aware of everything. But yeah, after that, yeah, I was like, oh, OK, and I was like, show me how you show me how you do this. Like, you know, how are you turning this into music and everything? I was like, oh, OK, it makes sense. And I've been always I was always obsessed with numbers. So um, ever since I was a kid is mostly, in, I guess, in an arithmetic way. But I just really love numbers. And when I taught myself how to play music, music is very number based. So I just you know, got way into that. And then when I started studying composition a little bit, you know, Schoenberg and all these guys with the 12 tone system, this is all number based as well. And there's all these permutations, you know, and uh, so very like, mathematical. Yes, yes. And then that so that all kind of linked up in my brain in a way when I started thinking about it. Way. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I, I'd love to continue talking more about this, mm -hmm. but I thought maybe sure. we'd go ahead and play for everybody uh, uh, Unconquered Sun. And could you tell us a little about the song maybe before we cue it up? Yeah, so Steve, again, this was a this was an interesting one. Steve composed the drum part first without me hearing it or whatever, and he wrote out a whole mathematical chart for it. I wish I had it. I could show you. Um, and he didn't even tell me the gamatri that he used on it, but that's okay. So he sent me this drum track, and I composed uh, each section uh, just by me trying to figure out the math and what he did to it. Uh, yeah, and it came across like that. So. Okay, Lo, well, let's go ahead and give that a play.
Okay, so uh, uh, Gematria, what draws you particularly to this uh, particular aspect of esotericism? You talked about, you know, always growing up with numbers and everything. Yeah, so being, uh, a, sorry to interrupt. So no, no, yeah, go right ahead. Here. Yeah, it's uh, being obsessed with numbers and learning about the system where they're equating words to numbers and then there's resonances between the words with similar numbers just like piqued a ton of interest and curiosity in my mind. So, and it, it makes sense to me being, you know, being number kind of based thinker that I am. So, um, yeah, that's that's really it. That kind of thing. And then, like I said, like if we take the uh, the gematria of a word, say if it equals one fifty six, there's a bunch of ways I could take that number and and make music out of it. I could make a riff up that has one note, five notes, and then six notes, or just even rhythmic attacks like one. Oh, sorry, one, We're gonna be even tell you like one, three, four, five, six. You know, I can take this kind of da 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 da. You know, and I can make a rhythm up out of that, and then, and I know Steve does arrangement things with that too. So if he gets gets the gematria of a certain word, he can like he'll do a certain part one time, and then maybe this part three times, and maybe this part two times, and then loop it like that. So what words are inspiring? Oh, all of them. I don't know all the words. <laughs> but, you know, no, yeah, no. Any, any, any words from the magical system or, you know, any of the archangel names or any of the, you know, even the Sephira, you know, on the Tree of so Life. So would it be safe to say you guys are also fans of John D? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, of course. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right on. Yeah, very much. And, and, and uh, you know, when you were talking about... Uh, playing and it's funny because you go from playing in like you know uh, a death metal band or you know mm -hmm. you know like six feet under yeah. that has like you know all the the connotations of being like you know uh having associations with stuff like that but yeah here it is your jazz prog experimental band that's really oozing of all of this uh esotericism mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah i think a lot of people think esoteric and occult things are are, are dark always and that's you know as you know that's not that's not really yeah. the case yeah at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly mm -hmm. yeah. and uh what other magical traditions are you interested in what often do you read? Um, yeah, well, I said start with Crowley, so Thelema is, is big for me. Um, and after that, I got really got into Austin Osmond Spare. The Book of Pleasure is, is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, that one really blew my mind apart. Yeah, so, and um, his whole thing with sigils and automatic writing uh, are things I could, I kind of, you know, put to music as well. So, and uh, how that even kind of leads into uh, what is it, Byron Grissom and right. uh, doing the uh, cutouts, the and cutouts stuff. and everything. Yeah, yeah, very similar stuff there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Have you ever thought about trying to do things of uh, incorporating other? Uh, methods like that into your music yes yeah, so i do actually yeah so with with spares thing with the sigils you know if i if i do a sigil in the spare way and i get my letters i think i, I think i saw this from pat martino he's a jazz guitarist he was into all this stuff too but but um so what what i do is like so if i get my letters you write out the alphabet from left to right you know and then underneath you write the 12 chromatic notes of music until you get to z okay and then then you take your sigil letters, you know, and then find the notes and try to make up a melody or a riff out of that. And then try to make a melody and then have that be your, how you charge the sigil. 
So that's one way to do it. And so it's, you know, again, just another great way to turn off the sensor in your head and just get into this place where you're, you're being creative and totally exploring and, and, um, and meditating on these notes and this meaning of whatever you're trying to, to do. Absolutely. And for me, I think sigil work is almost a way, it's a way to communicate with the subconscious. Yes, you're exactly. Using, you're using symbols to convey uh, a translation uh, instead of a bunch of words, you're using a symbol to convey that message to your subconscious. Yes, to yeah, possibly exactly. be working on that for you mm-hmm. in the background. And yeah, stuff, you know? and the melody, making up a melody out of it for me is is very useful as well to shut off that the conscious brain and just kind of get into this meditative state with the melody. Yeah. Musically, what do you do when you're having like an epiphany or you're like, oh, my God, there's a riff and there's something in my head. Do you yeah. are, are you guy that hums it into the phone real quick or yeah. do you write numbers down or something? Oh, yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll the phone. I'll write it down on paper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll try to rec- record it whatever way I can right away. Yeah. Try to capture that essence because sometimes yeah, you, you will you lose to. it. Yeah, exactly. You will. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it'll have the flavor, but it not something's missing. You know? Right? No, this is very true. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where so, did you guys? Where did you guys record the uh, record? Um, so we uh, Steve did all the drums at the studio in Red Bank called Retro Media um, Studios, and I did all the guitars and bass and everything here in my in my home studio. Mm-hmm. Oh, great, great. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, can you uh, do? Do you have uh, plans for a follow up to uh, this record? Uh, yes, it's in the works now. We've been working on it a little bit, so we're trying to. Oh, you've yeah. already been working on it. Yeah. Cool. Uh huh. Yep. Great. There's, we have a song coming out. There's a, our record label, Nefarious Industries, has a, uh, I think it's ten year anniversary compilation coming out. So we have a song on there called Black Gate, number one. So that's going to hint at the theme of the next record. Yeah. Now, would this be something that we could possibly see in a live situation? Yeah, we've been playing live a little bit more, so hopefully in this really? next yeah, so hopefully in this next next year we'll start playing more shows out. Yeah, and, we, and is it still just the two of you guys, Ray, or no. do, you, do you incorporate other musicians? Yeah, we have a bass player, my friend Rolando Alvarado. Uh, he's great, and he covers a lot of low end and the effects and everything. So yeah, very cool, very yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 awesome. Yeah. And uh, what do you listen to for? Uh, uh, influence or like what what do you listen to to kind of like you know get inspired other than uh you know using your esoteric uh interests yeah just you know again a lot of a lot of jazz stuff a lot of ambient music as well um you know, a lot of electronic music that's more ambient and glitchy i really love um there's this uh, girl, Callie Malone, who does this, has this, uh, she does organ stuff. And she has a record called, I think it's called Sacrificial Code, but it's fantastic. Anyway, I mean, I'll, I'll send you a link to that after. Oh, um, absolutely. But a lot of that stuff, lately it's been more stuff that's still and ambient just to kind of let my brain relax. And then usually if I'm listening to that stuff, I'll get ideas for my own things to come out. Yeah. So, so you stay busy between doing uh, the metal projects and uh, the, these projects, and you're still teaching. Yeah, still teaching. Yeah, I just played a jazz gig last night in town here. So yeah, so I, yeah, try to try to keep busy. I'm, I'm sure your calendar looks very busy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, what what upcoming projects or musical uh, endeavors are you uh, have coming up, and what could you share with us? 
Um, so yeah, Gematria is, you know, we're writing a new record. Um, the Six Feet Under record should be coming out next year. Um, I'm doing a small tour with some friends called, uh, and they have a band called Crystal Canyon. There's like a, they're like a shoegaze band, sort of like My Bloody Valentine, sort of like that slow dive kind of thing. Doing a tour with them next month. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it for now. Oh, right mm-hmm. on. That's yeah, great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where can we go to get more information about your projects and, uh, yeah. You're teaching. Um, so, yeah, my teaching, I teach on this site called LessonFace.com. If you just go there and look up my name, you'll find me on there. And uh, as far as other things, just my Facebook, I keep pretty updated with things, and my Instagram account as well. You search for my name, Ray Sui, it'll, it'll pop right up, yeah. Great, and I appreciate you uh, doing the interview. Yeah, and uh, I would like to go ahead and play, uh, what is it, So Motive B? Can you tell us a little about that before we... Uh, uh, end the show? Yeah, so uh, So Moto B came about um, I wanted to have a track on the album before the final track, Aletheia um, that kind of segued into it and we had the idea to do a drum solo so I programmed a bunch of the sounds you hear in the beginning of the track I programmed all at home first and gave it to Steve and then I wanted to overlay a, a sample of Aleister Crowley uh, sing, saying the Gnostic Mass you know, there's, a, there's recordings of him out there doing that so we put it on the record, and this is actually on the vinyl, but when we went to upload it to Spotify and the streaming services, some other metal band used it in the intro of one of their songs, so that Spotify blocked us from it. But if you buy the record, you can hear Crowley talking over Steve's fantastic drum solo, so yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Ray, for uh, taking your time out and look forward to speaking to you again. Thanks for having me.